2: strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt.
3: Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And
0: Mark Cranack.
2: Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me.
3: Welcome to a weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio. We are brought to you by Cornhead Lager. It's funny that I'm the one doing the intro as I am the one that's not included on the intro. where's Chris? Where's Chris? Is, how do we want to put this? Somewhere above Denver, Colorado? Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's going, how about that? Okay,
2: we all love Nebraska. I mean, we still live here, so of course we do. But getting places sometimes. Because he's going to Indy, right? He's going to the Big Ten title game. Yeah. Yeah. Because he just likes to watch Iowa? I, I don't know what that is. But he's going, and he has to connect through Denver this morning. Like, what the hell is that? Omaha to Denver to Indy. And he's going to join us?
3: He's going to join us from the airport? Uh, apparently. He claims. Oh he claims. I, under- I With how flights are right now, I am not counting on it. But I would just like to note how, like, 1980s of a concept this is. To just, like wake up in the morning be like I'm gonna buy an airline ticket I'm gonna to go to Indianapolis
2: and then do <laughs> that it is, it was a last second decision he's going with an Iowa fan
3: like it, uh, it evokes me the days when you could just like walk up to the ticket counter at an airport and be like yes two two tickets to Paris please <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. No, no security you just walk right through <laughs> just just go yeah Let's <laughs> so yep, that's in there like six o'clock this morning yes two tickets to Indianapolis please oh you must send me to Denver first okay uh, well and here's the
2: thing too if it's if he's having to connect through Denver, it's either Southwest or it's United. If it's United, he ain't getting to his location. It ain't happening. They got behind like a decade ago, haven't quite caught up. Uh, it's not happening for them. I have, have you ever... Now, they're not a sponsor, are they?
3: An airline? No, no.
2: Yeah, no, yeah no, just making good. sure. Just talk trash making about the sure. airlines all you want. Okay, good. Because I can't remember the last time I took a United flight and it just worked out. Like... Any of it. <laughs> and I, I've probably taken uh, eight to ten in the last, well, dozen or so years. Never works. Ever, ever, ever. Never on time. People are pissed off that they work there. It's a whole
0: thing, man.
3: Can I note? It's a whole thing. Can I huh. note? So, whatever I – maybe I've told this story. We have gone off kilter here. Sorry if you wanted to talk about Husker football on a uh, on a Saturday we morning. But we, we we're going to get there eventually. Braden Vogel waits in the green room. But I flew to South Africa after my senior year of high school. Well, I guess Mozambique, okay. but pretty close to the same thing. And I flew okay. United. Big a fan, are we? Jeez, no, God. Jesus. Jesus Elijah. Jesus, don't go there. Um, okay. <laughs> but I flew United. And United, continentally, like here in the United States, was an absolute mess. And then I got overseas and got some like their partner airlines. And it was the best South African right. airlines, dude. Have you ever experienced an underbooked flight? Cause I yes. have. Yeah. And I, it wasn't United. It wasn't any of that. It was whenever I got to London, my flight from London down to Johannesburg was, there was one person per row. Oh, beautiful. So I got to, like, lay out across the road. They brought blankets, and I just laid out and, like, put my feet up mm-hmm. on the road and slept like that, and it was uh, the best flight I have ever taken in my life, so shout out to United for that in their partner airways. <laughs>
2: but you, you don't remember who the partner was, do you? It was South, Af-
3: it, Fly- South African Airways? South African Airways.
2: We'll go with that. We'll go with that. It sounds realistic. Did it have, like, a lion on the side? I feel like it has to.
3: No, it was, like, the, the South African flag, kind of.
2: Nah, it's kind of weak. Kind of weak. Uh, Well... How about that? So Schmidt is going to join us at a to-be-determined time, and we will probably discuss – I don't know. There was some There was some fairly significant news. It doesn't seem like it was just a week ago. Maybe it does to you, Elijah, because you and Chris do this every day. Um, but it's just a week ago that Nebraska got walked off again at home by Iowa. And since that time, a couple of big headlines, right? So one, he, he's pretty much – I'm trying to think of a comp in terms of alignment that Nebraska has secured a commitment from that that generates this much excitement. But Grant Bricks, he's the top player in the state of Iowa, Logan Magnolia. Nebraska's been on his radar for a long time. Nebraska rolled a, a semi-truck, literally a branded semi-truck to his high school to park it there to you know, just to kind of help with the recruiting and let him know how much he's wanted. Uh They have really put on a full-court press on him. He commits. So you're talking about one of the top linemen in the whole country uh, that just committed to Nebraska. That happened earlier this week. And then the Tony White saga. That thing got dicey. Tony White, the defensive coordinator, had been rumored as a head coaching candidate at San Diego State, mentioned as a possibility at Syracuse and some others. USC, apparently. that That thing was really dicey as of... Was that Thursday or Friday? Where it was, hey, done deal. USC sites, USC websites that have some repute, were reporting, hey, he's Tony White's the next defensive coordinator at at USC, and it was like, wow. Okay, so one, how it generated a lot of questions, and I think those are worth getting into this morning, Elijah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when uh, when Tony White was being pursued like that, Nebraska then responds by giving him a half-million-dollar raise. Basically, they re-sign him for 1.6. Tony White not going anywhere. The, his three-year deal remains in place. He's got two years left on it. They lock him right up. And uh, let's bring in Brandon Vogel. Brandon, good morning. Uh, good morning. How's... Uh, no, it's, you can finish your question, and then I'll answer it. Sorry. I'm no, so it, was, it was a
1: probing one. It was, how are you guys doing?
2: Hmm. Mm. on what level like where do we want to go with this one very loaded Uh, question brandon
1: yeah it is i I was joking about it being probing but actually if you stop and think about it it really kind of (laughs) is
2: like if you slow down the question right deliver it like that (laughs) it can start to get pretty invasive right it's like hey how are you like doing right and then it gets a little yikes it's on the delivery
3: well, uh, we are doing better yeah. than uh, than Crew, and we talked about this briefly on the show yesterday. Crew uh, was wearing his Iowa gear last year when we went out to Indianapolis. He says he's not going to Indianapolis this year. We briefly talked about him yesterday, so Crew, appreciate you tuning in on a Saturday morning. Good luck to you guys. They'll need it.
2: Uh, there's going to be a lot of sad Iowa fans tonight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Likely. Brandon, Brandon, Tony White, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska, gets talked about for tons of openings as those were coming out. Did you, wh- where were you handicapping it? Did you think he was gone? I, it just seemed like there was enough smoke that he was out.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I never quite got there. I, I wrote a kind of coaching carousel update on Tuesday through a Nebraska lens. And I wrote there that my feeling was, and it was just a feeling was that they they would be able to keep Tony white hmm. got a little bit dicey there. I mean, I, I really think the biggest hurdle here was San Diego state um, had so much time there. His, you know, he's really off the Rocky long tree um, and spent a ton of time there with coach long. And when, when San Diego state made, made a good hire, I think in, in, Sean Lewis from, from Colorado, that felt like a big hurdle cleared. Elijah and I talked pretty extensively on the Thursday show about why the, the USC thing kind of stuck, stuck out to us is a little bit strange, you know, Went through a whole litany of reasons. I think one that we didn't talk about on Thursday, Elijah, was, was just like USC made a pretty splashy hire in, in swiping UCLA's DC, but playing opposite that offense, um, no matter how good you are, isn't the easiest way to no. to put up put up good defensive numbers. So, so that's another piece of this. So, I think when we we got the news of the pay bump, a uh, pretty significant one after after one year at Nebraska, that should, barring any you know unforeseen developments down the line, uh, should probably seal things up. And, and I think Tony White's safely in Lincoln now for another year, which is uh, about as big an off-season boost, I think, as Nebraska could have gotten.
3: Yeah, in Lincoln, I'd say barring any late head coaching changes, late in the cycle, yeah. anything unforeseen, any Mel Tucker-type situations. Um, but, Brandon, one of the things that we briefly discussed, did either of you guys – ever spend any time living in California because like with living there. No. Cause like taxes, California versus Nebraska. Yeah. I'm go- going to go there on a Saturday morning. To make <laughs> one the point, oldest soul in the world <laughs> to make $1. $1. 1.6 million dollars at USC. Yeah. Like how much they would have had to pay him after taxes. Like, one point I mean, we're you're, you're talking, if you're above a million dollars, I think it's like 40% state income tax for the state of California plus federal income tax. Like, I'm talking a three-plus million dollar offer from USC to be able to match what Nebraska was going to give Tony White post taxes. That's might be the, I mean, maybe USC has the money to pay that with how much they're paying Lincoln Riley, but that's, I think, the part that was kind of sticking with me whenever this rumor broke on Wednesday and we got to discuss a little bit further on Thursday was like, USC was going to have to shell out for a guy in Tony White just to be able to match what Nebraska could offer after taxes,
1: plus all the time lost in traffic. I mean, at that point, <laughs> coaches already live at the stadium. If I was at USC, I might actually just live at the stadium. I'd be like, it'll save me time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, the trade-off being, the trade-off being beautiful weather. Trade-off being you don't need as big of a house because you can be outside more often, right? So you don't go as stir crazy. Um, but you also, in that area, you expose yourself to uh, giant predatory animals if you get into the hills, right? Mm-hmm. Bears and mountain lions might get you. It's possible. Doesn't really happen here. Uh, and then also, you, uh, of course, all the crazy people, you know. So that's the trade off. And but yeah, you, you might be making a million a plus
3: a year in California. You might still need roommates. It's possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So this is good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're making the sales pitch here for why Nebraska is a better living option than than california and as the world can see 1.7 million people can't be wrong folks because you know get on the bandwagon get on the bandwagon this is the place to live
1: um everybody is pitched in a dollar to keep you here tony white how about that <laughs>
2: it's, it's actually it's actually a really good idea if nebraska needs to raise raise something like the five on it campaign everybody'll yeah. throw five bucks on some um all right, skip over to Grant Bricks, the offensive lineman that commits. And, you know, recruiting talk can get kind of like, oh, he's really good, and maybe he'll be good when he gets here. You know, it gets kind of circular, in my opinion, sometimes. But I can't think of another guy at the offensive line position that was as coveted that Nebraska really – I mean, it's been a long time. He, He seems like he was literally their top target. Uh, at any position and for him to commit just up the road from Logan Magnolia, um, the significance of the, of that commitment, Brandon, and, and whether or not he projects as a guy that competes for playing time immediately.
1: Yeah, I think he, I think he has that potential, you know, uh, high school films always tough. But it's, I think it's particularly tough with, uh, offensive linemen uh, unless you know if you're looking at local guys you have a better sense of exactly like who these teams are that they're playing against um, pretty run heavy offense which which is good um, you know Nebraska has kind of missed I think that signature run blocker a lot of the time and I think he he has that potential but you know I'm kind of with you Mark like trying to project these guys is is, is really tough at, at the next level and how quickly they might be ready I think what we can say safely is this coaching staff is, is not afraid to put those guys in the mix early on. Um, you know, I think it was probably a little bit tempting with some of the freshmen, true freshmen that registered this year with some injuries up front, not to, uh, not to dip into that pool. They were able to make it through the season and and without doing that. But, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see bricks, you know, contending for, for playing time by the time we get to next fall, the big thing is, is, you mentioned it, he was definitely their highest priority offensive line target, probably up there with Carter Nelson in terms of, you know, guys that were coveted the most by Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And I think the the longer-term thing is, is, you know, Matt Rule said in one of his very early press conferences about this time last year after he'd been hired, you know, in talking to people around Nebraska, people that know Nebraska football, getting those offensive linemen locally and i would consider bricks a, a local prospect relatively speaking um is is important to them i think they view that as um not a mandate but a a benefit like you can find those guys around here and they're going to try and do that and and this was probably the best example we've seen since they started recruiting a year ago of them identifying a guy and getting a guy that they wanted
2: yeah, and real, real quick, Elijah Ross men- mentions in the stream that Turner Corcoran was just as highly rated out of high school. Completely, I think the difference being, I'm I'm not sure Turner was like their top target that they put the full court press on. It just, you just, I just haven't seen Nebraska maybe put this level of attention on a particular recruit in quite some time. Might might not even have a comparison. I mean, they rolled a semi truck up to his high school like months ago. <laughs> it's like so. Different level, but but duly noted, Ross.
1: Yeah, I, Corcoran and Benhart, in terms of you know their importance to those classes, uh, kind of came to mind, and in, in, in terms of s- similarities or, or potential comparisons, I think you know some of the, like the semi truck stuff, some of that stuff is just kind of the difference in recruiting approaches between two different staffs as well, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty pretty similar to those guys, I would I would say for the most part, though, uh, Nebraska's interest in Bricks was quite clear. Yep.
3: It's Brandon Vogel with us here, a weekend edition of Hale Varsity. And Brandon, do you think a commitment like Grant Bricks could change what Nebraska wants to do in the portal here in the upcoming offseason? Because, I mean, the portal news, it's getting hot and heavy. I believe it officially opens on Monday, so we're expecting a lot more news to drop between now and then. One of your thoughts, offensive line, is that an area that you want to go bolster in the transfer portal? Everyone knows quarterback. I think wide receivers on the wish list when you look specifically at the offensive side of the ball. They're neither wish list items for that offense because it's clear that the offense from what we saw this past season, a step or maybe a couple of steps behind the defense in terms of the rebuild process. You would think offense would be the side of the ball that they'd go to the transfer portal first. Outside the quarterback position, you think offensive line, you think wide receiver. Where do you think Nebraska is likely to go find some guys in the transfer portal? Or do they?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Bricks uh, – well, I guess broadly to start, I, I do expect Nebraska to be pretty selective um, in the portal. And, I mean, Rule laid it out pretty clear, clearly, like the scenarios where they would look, what they're looking for when they get there, and also how – um, you know, long-term and, and they're just entering year two now. So we're not long-term yet. You know, they kind of want to be as less reliant on the uh, portal as they have to be, which I think is, is where you want to be. It's kind of a luxury. Um, with bricks in, in the mix. Um, I think that could, that could take care of Nebraska on, on the O-line. Like it's always, those O-linemen are so tough to you. To get out of the portal, you'll look at him. And you you know if you can get somebody on campus and a guy's got two years under his belt or something like that, and you're optimistic about where he can go, you'll always look. I think, but I would say the higher priorities are um, for me. It's quarterback. Um, yeah. I don't know if the staff totally feels that way, which you know is pretty interesting. I think you definitely turn over a lot of what rocks at wide receiver because there's going to be a lot of wide receivers in there. There's just a lot of wide receivers that come out of high school. I mean, it's just a plentiful position um, and a lot of guys moving there. Running back will be another interesting one. I thought rule was pretty interesting on that this week, talking about, you know, Irvin and Johnson coming back off of injury. Um, That seems like a spot where depending on, you know, they know way more about their progress and and long-term prognosis than, than we do. But Depending on where that stuff shakes out, I think that's a spot where you have to look uh, to, to maybe add one um, just to feel a little bit safe, particularly without one in this class at the moment. So that would be, I think it's mostly skill position on offense.
2: Hmm. Brandon Vogel with us week in addition to Hale Varsity. And uh, Fred had written a comment earlier on the show of, do you think Rule was letting the boosters know – hey, get ready to fork over some dough if you want a high-level QB in his presser. And what he's referencing there is when he was asked about that in his presser, he's like, hey, you're talking about $1.5 to $2 million for a high-level quarterback in the transfer portal just so we're all clear on on what it actually takes to get one of those guys, and that's an annual commitment, right? Um, And then kind of related to that, Derek in the stream said, ask Brandon about P.J. Long. I think he still has all his eligibility left. PJ Long, being the was that the Baylor guy that was that played for Rule years ago, yeah. And so there's still that connection.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, a name I haven't considered in a little while, though. So, I mean, it's always it's it's interesting with those kind of school connections that you get there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing now. I'm getting the joke. PJ Long, uh, a guy I played high school football with, big big offensive lineman. Derek's from my hometown, so ah oh, okay, there we go. He yeah. got he, de- he definitely has <laughs> his eligibility left. Uh, <laughs> I haven't checked in with him in quite some time, uh, but he was older than me, so I do have some concerns about his ability to get up to speed quickly. Uh, so we're
2: so we're okay on O no line, anyways.
3: Uh, right? so, Matt yeah, Rollins' Rol- staff they emphasize recovery, so I think that may be able to help somebody who is advanced but, in age for a college athlete.
1: That's true. I mean, if Matt Rule offered me the opportunity to just go through all the sports science stuff and never play, I might take him up on it. I um, also never practice; just get the treatment. Um, I might, I might be in for that. Um, <laughs> where were we before, PJ? Well, well, any fame, chance,
2: any chance, Rule, when he brought up the one and a half to two million dollars for a quarterback, we can, can kind of analyze this one because I don't know exactly what Jeff Sims got, but I'm assuming it wasn't nothing and i'm guessing rule and or whoever funded that or the groups that funded that are feeling a little feeling a little burned i'm just like really is it that... really i mean we paid them like one hundred thousand bucks for every turnover what a... i don't know if this is the way we want to go
1: yeah i mean i think so i don't think that was rule's Number one objective was saying that, though I do think there's some of that there of like, okay, if you wanna you wanna play in these waters, like this is what it takes. The quarterback position, I think his number one goal with that was just to kind of emphasize his point on development and how they want to keep guys here and guys that stay will get rewarded. So like long term, um, you don't wanna be you don't wanna be looking for a one off or two off quarterback. Every cycle, um, they would much, much prefer to get somebody in, um, bring them along. I mean, I think all coaching staffs would, but some are just more open to, and also like the circumstances are different at every place. Like some guys got to win. Now, some guys take a new job and they're like, if we go portal heavy, we can, we can potentially make a jump right away. Nebraska and rule didn't do that this year. And I would expect them to continue tapering off in the portal as they have, have more time with these guys and are able to bring them up to where they want them to be from, you know, true freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore to, to the point where they're ready to play to, or, you know, by year two or year three in their program.
3: Brandon, just to kind of marry these, these two topics that we've hit on here together, hypothetical question, complete hypothetical, if Nebraska had to choose between a transfer portal quarterback and bringing back Tony white for another season, which would you lean towards in terms of importance for next season?
1: White. Um, I mean, I think based on, based on the results that we saw in, in year one in a new league for him, and also just based on kind of rules, like overarching football beliefs. I mean, you know, it, it, it stood out to me that while, while Rule talked very openly, talks pretty openly about most things, I think, um, about Tony White having interest and how he approaches that. And, you know, he's very much go get a job. Um, he, he maintained through that. He's like, we'll be good on defense. And you look through his career and, and it backs it up. Like it would have been, you know, it would have been interesting. I'm, it's good good for Nebraska that they're not in the spot, but it would have been interesting to see where they go. Uh, defensively if they had to, but they don't have to now. So I think, um, you know, we, we saw this year and and it's tough because big 10 changes, you know, another classic matchup from Washington and Oregon last night, two programs that are going to come into the league next year at a really high level. Um, It changes, but we saw, and this isn't to explain anything away or try to make anybody feel better, but Brasco went five and seven with three different quarterbacks and, and a strong defense. And, you know three or four fewer turnovers maybe you get bowl eligible um you know all the all those things like that come down to close games so they made they made progress this year as we've gotten further away from that iowa game i felt more comfortable saying it and i and i wasn't all that uncomfortable saying it you know last friday evening so that's that's kind of where they're at so i think defensively is definitely going to be it's going to be their calling card it's how they want to win games
2: and Brandon, as somebody that dives into statistics like you do, it, you know Nebraska shows up at the top of the list again as the quote "unluckiest team in America." And I, I don't know exactly how they base that. That uh, base that. What do they even base that on? We, we I think t- is we it, talked like, about
3: it a little bit earlier in the week, Mark. Where it's you it's take expected win percentage. Or, so you take the success rate of your offense and your defense, every single play in the game. You average it out. You compare the two, and yeah. then you find an expected win total based on essentially if every single play was randomized from an average success rate. Doesn't matter what the play call is, doesn't matter third and whatever, it's just a completely randomized sample of every single play in a game. Success rate, offense versus defense, they determine their expected win rate based on your success rate. So basically yeah. Nebraska had a success rate offensively and defensively, in which you would have expected them to win eight games, but they only win five. So it's kind of, calling it the unluckiest team. I think is a really, really bad moniker for what otherwise could be a somewhat helpful statistic. Huh.
0: Either yeah, way,
2: anytime it, it's something though, right? It's something though, Brandon. It's like, unluckiest team, it feels like it as you're watching Nebraska, you're like, that's not very lucky. And so, Brandon, the, the question leaning in is just statistically, just how much of an anomaly is Nebraska over the past, say, Three years. I don't know if you want to loop twenty twenty one in this, but I find it pretty crazy that through two different staffs, Nebraska is at the top of a list like that.
1: It it, it is strange, and, and Elijah's right. Anytime you bring the word luck into it, I think you automatically turn some people off. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a different word that's the same thing that that sometimes goes over a little bit better is randomness. Um, turnovers are pretty random. Uh, over a long enough span you'd expect those those close games to to average out um but you never know how a long enough how long the quote-unquote long enough span is Mm -hmm. um so you know i i I always look like in fact i have it for every big 10 team week by week um i do this every year at post game win probability i usually use sp plus um the college football data is where that that tweet came from that you referenced um Use it quite a bit. It's, it's good because, you know, as Elijah explained, like it just takes kind of the core numbers. And it's like, you know, if you put these plays in random order, how often does team A win or team B win? Mm-hmm. Looking at it quickly, Nebraska had two games where it had a positive win probability, uh, but lost the game. And, and those two, and this is by SP Plus, not college football data. That was, Nebraska, that was Minnesota start season in iowa to end it um it lost to maryland with a 0.49 post-game win probability so there's another one that's right on the cusp looking at it quickly i think indiana was or no indiana went one and one they won one they shouldn't have and lost one they shouldn't have hmm. so as far as i can see looking at this quickly nebraska was the only team with two losses that statistically probably could have been wins most of right. the time And we go back to that 2021 season. I mean, that's the king of all, like, what the heck's happening here? Um, And even, like, further back beyond that, um, really to the start of the Pelini era in the Big Ten, when you just look at the turnovers, um, like, the degree to which Nebraska has won, given its turnover margin, is way better than it should be, too. So, if you don't like the term unlucky, um, maybe just as a function of turnover margin, like Nebraska has been a little bit lucky to be even as close as it has. So hmm. it's just, it's, it's bizarre when you start looking back at, and looking at it as, you know, a hole wherever you put the bookends. Uh, it's not, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but one of these days it will. Uh, one of these days, Nebraska is going to go super positive in turnover margin. Uh, they're going to win a handful of close games in a row. And we'll talk about the run game and improvement on the offensive line. And and some of that stuff will be true, whatever it is when we get there. Some of it will also be like, well, some of these numbers that you don't have all that much control over are actually in your favor this time.
3: It's a weekend edition here of Hale Varsity as we have word. Chris Schmidt has landed in Denver. And I just saw that we got a text from him. What does it say? Is he going to be hopping on? He's going to connect in 5 connect in five. So we'll see about that. It's Elijah Herbal and Mark Cranach taking you through the early part as Brandon Vogel joins us here, the weekend edition. And Brandon, I think quarterback's a big talking point, not just because of what we saw from a turnover number this past season, but with all the, the close games, a lot of times a good quarterback can be your difference in a close game. I want your thoughts on, on the impact And just in terms of what we were kind of talking about just now, the close games, the unluckiness meter of a new quarterback. And then at what point are you going to be willing to actually discuss names in the portal? A lot of fans want to go there. I've brought up a couple names I think would work well, but I'm kind of holding my horses there in terms of uh, actually finding candidates that I think would fit well with Nebraska. I might be interested in Nebraska until the portal officially opens and we get some more information that way. Maybe we get the flight tracker out and we see who's flying into Lincoln and taking visits. I'm going to get your thoughts on, on I guess the impact of a quarterback and when do you think it's, it's the proper time to start to start discussing specific names?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm working on kind of a portal primer for next, next week, um, on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm gathering my, my information over these past couple of days and we'll continue in the next couple it's quarterbacks going to be pretty active. I think, um, I mean, the, the one name that jumped out to me immediately, and he's going to be at the top of a lot of people's lists, is Kansas State's Will Howard. Yeah. Um, coming from a Chris Kleinman program, I think you would find a lot of similarities at the new Nebraska. Does that resonate? Um, who knows? You know, if, who knows exactly what he's, what he's looking for. I think he might also be kind of considering the NFL uh, based on some things that I read. But he's a player who takes care of the football, Uh, gives you some multiple options and a lot of teams across the country are going to be interested in him. We'll see. There's going to be more names that that pop up in the next couple of days too. Um, But some of the, uh, some of the smaller school guys are, are intriguing to me. Um, I know a lot of people made the rule and temple connection plus maybe the Kurt Warner connection with EJ Warner temple quarterback, but looking through his numbers i was pretty impressed um with what he did on two temple teams that weren't all that good so there's another one that i wouldn't be surprised if if nebraska at least kicked the tires on.
2: Yeah, i've got a question in the stream or more of a comment from from brian about our red shirt how the red shirt d linemen are coming along and you won't really know how they're coming along until the spring game but we'd like to see See them find a big body to back up zero and nine zero being Hutmacher, nine being Ty Robinson. Not many two hundred ninety plus dudes on the roster. There there are four I guess bigs that you would say, and I, I know Robinson's listed as a D end, but you know with his size, you can you can move him around. You can put him on the nose if you need. You got four dudes um, that are freshmen that redshirted this year. Uh, although I don't know if Riley Van Poppel technically did redshirt. I think he might have burned his. You got four guys. So you got Vincent Carroll Jackson. You got some playing time at the end of the year. He's listed at two seventy on the roster. Looks bigger than that to me. Um, I think he's nearing three hundred if he's not already. Sua Lafodu also got a little bit of playing time towards the end. Rule had mentioned him in the press conference that he was he was okay with how he uh, acquitted himself. Jason Machacek. I know he's bounced between offensive and defensive linemen. Is he defense now or offense offense again? Offense. They have moved him to deep to offense. Okay. Then you got Riley Van Poppel. And he contributed. I mean, he was an actual player. I was impressed with how much he did look like he belonged. <laughs> He's He didn't seem like some true freshman. Now, another interesting thing, though, I, Brian brings up a good point. I do think you need another body or two over there because they moved not only Maciejek, but they just moved Ruquan Buckley. And not to criticize a guy, you hope he finds his success on the offensive side of the ball, but he was getting washed out. Like, <laughs> it was noticeable when they brought in Buckley like wow, he was getting washed out, and what he's doing is hard. So I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying that to criticize the guy, but they removed him from the picture. Opposing offensive lines removed him from the picture with relative ease, um, which I think led to him going to the offensive side of the ball. So it's a decent point about hey, yeah, how do how do you replace Huttmacher and, and Robinson? I think it's it's pretty unique, Brandon, too, because those two are true physical specimens that are just pretty pretty rare breeds. And I don't know that you have to have – I mean, it's great if you do. But I think you can win without complete physical freak shows like those two guys.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you could. And the point is good that it'd be nice to uh, have another one available. Yeah. And I, I think Nebraska's approach, you know, pretty similar to offensive line in the portal, like those guys in, in the defensive line – Everybody, everybody wants them. Everybody wants anybody on the line that's, that's proven. Uh, your better option is to grow one. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, s- presuming they update the roster in, in January, we can all pour, pour over the results to see uh, see how people's bodies have changed. But yeah. I think with another full offseason, um, their, their best option is to get somebody already on campus close to where they want them to be. Yep. In terms of holding up, you know, kind of in the trenches the way that, well, Huttbacher and Robinson did more than hold up uh, this year. But when you want to spell those guys, you want to put somebody in there who's who's comfortable at least holding their ground. Yep.
3: Brandon, before we get you out and before we bring Schmidty and Gary into the show, do you have a eulogy for the Pac-12 following their title game last night?
1: Hmm. Not really. Uh, it was kind of – I mean, I was, I was sadder than I thought. Like, the Pac-10 slash 12 was, I, I, I guess, a league that I never, like – I was just kind of indifferent towards it. it was like, yeah, it's good sometimes. Um, and uh, But watching that, that Oregon-Washington game last night, uh, after the absolute classic they played earlier in the year, and you got another one, It's uh, there's some really good football in that league this year, particularly between those two. And, and those two are playing – I think, a portable brand of football right now behind two very, very good uh, head coaches. So, hmm. so it's be interesting to see where they where they fall coming into the Big Ten. It's going to be interesting to see all of those Pac-12 teams transition to the Big Ten. You know, I think back to uh, Nebraska's move, and they came in at a high spot. They were picked to win the, the conference, I think the whole conference, their their first season in. Um, and what we saw is the the transition was, I think, tougher than mm-hmm. than most people imagined. I think internally and externally. Uh, I'm interested to see if it's the same case this time because you're bringing in four teams instead of just one, so it's not all on on Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a little bit more West Coast influence coming in. So that said, any time I think a conference, particularly one as historic as that, goes under, it's it's not happy news. Uh, no. Certainly, uh, you know, just thinking of Arizona state and Arizona and uh, Utah is a little bit different, but being in the big 12 now and still feel bad for Oregon state and Washington state. I'll, that'll probably always be the case.
3: Brandon, no. let people know about counter read before we get you out of here.
1: Yeah. Counter That's a twice weekly Substack newsletter from Aaron Sorensen and I, uh, we're actually running a, Uh, A slight discount right now on an annual subscription, 20% off. We're going to keep that live as long as Nebraska Volleyball is in the uh, NCAA tournament. So you're probably safe for for a little bit. But if you don't want to gamble, hop on over there today and you can get signed up and, and check out what we're all about.
3: Brandon, enjoy your Saturday of conference championships, all right?
0: All
1: right, thanks.
3: There's Brandon Vogel as we welcome in. Both Chris Schmidt and Gary Sharp into the show. Let's start off Whoa. with me. I know Gary is going to be in and out of here. We got to get him out. Schmidt is somewhere in Denver International Airport. How you guys doing this
4: morning? Doing all right. Thanks for uh, letting me sneak away. It uh, was an interesting landing, is the way I'll put it. The guy said it was going to be choppy. The guy being the pilot, and it was a little choppy united to the, uh, to united the no similar Southwest. to the offense yes similar to the offense <laughs> we may see in indy later so hmm. um, uh, but hey that's how the, is yeah. everyone
0: Good. that's the popular flight to go omaha indianapolis or omaha denver indianapolis
2: yeah i know exactly like and we were talking about the benefits of living in nebraska that not being one of them right logical flight connections and paths that is definitely not one of them.
3: Hey, I, that's why they have, they have a lot of, for this winter, yeah. direct flight down to Phoenix. Great. I don't have any layovers. The only problem being it leaves at 530 in the morning from Omaha, yeah. but hey, you got to do what you got to do. That I means don't. you're
4: teeing off by noon. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. could
0: have been on that flight to go to the guaranteed rate bowl, but.
2: Yeah, could have been. Hey, and with you in solidarity with this, with the skull cap, the beanie right now, Gary, like yes. it is a gray skull cap kind of day and. We we you know, we found out that Gary has to get out at eight fifty today. That sounds like a hard stop, which a little sad because kinda of got accustomed to story time with Gary and
0: overtime, <laughs> but like I guess, you know, that's just what we I have promise to do. I promise next week we'll go extra.
3: Well, Gary, okay. you're you're in Lawrence? I saw you on Twitter last night.
0: I went to the uh, UConn KU game last night. Ooh. I can barely hear. I'm being a little sarcastic. It's the loudest college basketball game I've ever been to.
2: Wow. Yeah, I bet only to be usurped tomorrow by Nebraska and Creighton and Lincoln. I,
0: I hope so. Uh, b- uh, safe to say, biggest game in Fred Hoiberg's uh, history. Not that it's going to change the season, because I think everybody wants to look at the next four and go, man, if Nebraska go 2-2, two and 3-1, two, and one, man, they're really good. I think you need to stretch it out and go the next eight and add North Dakota, South Carolina State, Indiana, Wisconsin. The next eight are going to tell you everything you need to know. But I, I the place is angry tomorrow. Because just think about this. You could wake up on Monday morning, Nebraska basketball is 8-0, and for two straight years they have beaten two Creighton teams who one got to the Elite Eight and the other they think is one of the best teams that they've ever had. I, I mean, it's it's a huge day tomorrow. That place will be rocking. But it's kind of like that proof of concept for Nebraska. I think they'll be about a two-point underdog to kind of now get a sense of, okay, they've played a schedule that they can afford. Now they play somebody with a pulse. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to be a great game.
2: Gary Sharp, with us on the weekend edition of Hail Varsity. Go ahead, Chris.
4: No, I was going to touch base with you, Sharpie, and great environment you were in last night. I think you're right on with what tomorrow is going to be at, at PBA. Uh, fans are, are ready for something good, aside from volleyball and mm-hmm. basketball. Could that could give that to them? It Tony was what? good. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh, it was good news for Nebraska with Tony White. What was your threat level with, with white maybe not being here next year
0: uh, out of a scale of one to 10 a three. So here's a couple of things. Here's a little backstory here. So they've encouraged him to interview. Um, I believe that we're going to find out that they started the contract process shortly after they flipped the calendar to November, realizing mm-hmm. what they had in place that Tony wants to stay here, his relationship with rule. Now, remember, Here's the, here's the thing that even adds more to Tony White is all of the hires on defense except for Tony White really are Matt Rule's. You know, Tony White came yeah. in and they are like, hey, I got this guy named Evan Cooper. I got Terrence Knight, and I'm bringing them with me. Oh, by the way, there's Rob Dvorak. Once the Panthers cut him loose, he's going to be your linebacker coach. Tony White didn't blink an eye. He's like, you know what? I'm going to coach up the coaches. They're going to coach up me. We're going to coach up the players. That was pretty impressive. So Tony has a special relationship with Rule. But there, it's real that he wanted him to interview for jobs. And the San Diego State thing was more to go through the process of, this is what's, what it's going to be like when you want to be a head coach. This is what they're going to ask you. This is what you have to be prepared for. You're probably not going to get it because they want desperately to go offense, which they did, and I think that's a good hire in Sean Lewis. Now, the, the USC thing, smart move by USC. You've got a guy that's got connections to Southern California that that is on is trending now of orchestrating good defenses. And – he's a a hot commodity so why not kick the tires and see if there's interest and he listened but there really wasn't going down the path of okay now this gets serious and you mm-hmm. saw what a mess it was the other day on we rsc when you have two writers fighting that would be like Syphil and gas can <laughs> fighting with each other okay and we all sit we all grab our popcorn and go wow so yeah. i think as this went on and, and tony was pretty upfront with rule and and everybody else that hey you know what i want to be a head coach someday but it's got to be the right opportunity. But I like what we have here. And I like being at the University of Nebraska. I like the relationships with my coaches. And then once uh, you know, once we got past Wednesday uh, and then the deal was announced yesterday, I think it's fantastic for him because it's well-deserved. But I will also tell you, we can see the physical part of what he was able to do with this defense, and they've got to make that next jump next year. But here's what you should really understand about Tony White. He is very humbled that now he makes 1.6 million, the highest-paid defensive coordinator last year in college football. Jim Knowles, Ohio State, little over 1.9. Tony White basically saying thank you to everybody yesterday, and he put out a tweet. Not one of those pictures was him. That tells you everything to you know about yeah. the kind of guy Tony White is.
4: Yeah. Go for it. Mark. Oh, oh. The Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, uh, en route from Lawrence. I am at Denver International Airport, headed to the Big Ten Championship game.
0: Why? 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 You have yeah. a better chance of scoring than Iowa does.
4: <laughs> Let me ponder that. Um, <laughs> kidding, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, uh, kidding, buddy. Um, no. You know, when we talk about Nebraska and you laid out the – the, the, the pros of, of tony white and the continuity that's big Sharpie, the the next topic is portal and one of the get your take and feel on uh quarterback appetite for nebraska how um how hard they're going to go after a portal option who would be a fit that's out there you think and also that that chubba reality of what his ceiling could be
0: uh there's a lot in there so uh, i heard elijah market branded talking about portal quarterbacks I believe this is I don't know anything inside this is just my gut Nebraska will be very very quiet in the portal and they will not be as active as you think they're, they're going to get a quarterback but I don't think they're all of a sudden going to add six to eight guys but any quarterback they're going to pursue will be very quiet I know Will Howard's a popular guy there's a lot of names that are attached I, I I've said it'll be not a splash guy but a guy that has a connection that is somebody that Game manager that is an accurate passer or has ball security. Will Howard would be the dream because that would be a seamless transition. But he only has one year left. And yeah. listening to rule on Wednesday, man, guys, I've kind of changed a little bit. He's big on that second year, you know. Some of Nebraska's portal guys last year were okay, but you're thinking, man, another year. Then the guys on the defensive side of the ball, like a you know, like a Sherman and a Borders and even a Collier. Maybe they they they. they they pop, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did you get the impression thinking about got thrown away for two years? Purdy really wasn't developed even in the spring because of all of the, you know, all they went with Sims, that Chuba Purdy is definitely in play to be the guy in 2024. I may have misread rule, but listening closely, there was just something that said, Uh, I think we want to see what we have with Purdy because he has a high ceiling and we're nowhere near it.
2: Yeah, I I got that same impression, Gary, and I don't think that he wants to throw Harburg out with the bathwater either for the reasons you mentioned, and that's the first time we've heard out loud it acknowledged, at least that I can think of, it talks about the kind of level of dysfunction that was happening at Nebraska prior, where he's like, Harburg wasn't even allowed in the meeting rooms as a quarterback, which is, like, think about that. Like, how just toxic of an environment is that when a scholarship quarterback from in-state is banned it's it's malpractice it's it's unbelievable right so and by the way he kind of looks like it he kind of looks like a dude that didn't get a a, a full allotment of development right that's kind of what you saw with him but you see the raw tools the guy's fast he's big he's strong he has a strong arm it's not very accurate yeah and he didn't read defense as great well he wasn't allowed in the damn room. <laughs> what do you expect? What do you expect? So I, I agree, Gary. I think he's – I think Rule's a little more bullish on what he has than maybe what the rest of the fan base is.
0: Hey, let me ask you something, Elijah. So uh, they're going to get a portal quarterback, so d- don't don't everybody all of a sudden start blowing up the stream about this is crazy. But, Elijah, don't you think if, if you said, hey, how are you developing a quarterback and – you're like, well, you're not going to develop them once the season starts because we're getting ready for a game. That if you saw where Harvard and Purdy were in the spring to where they were in the fall, you could make a case that, yeah, I guess they kind of they were a little bit better than they were in the spring. You could make the case. You could make the case. <laughs> and not a huge, not a huge jump, but that's what would be their rebuttal to, oh my gosh, you got two guys, you got three guys that had no progress. They don't they don't look. Get rid of them.
3: And there's a comment I need to go find back in the uh, the stream yard just about the importance of – it comes from Dion because I have a a bit of a bone to pick with this one. He says, Guys are overrating quarterback coaches. These quarterbacks are worked with and go to camp since they were eight years old. By now, what you see is what you get. And I think he does make a point there in that these guys – are further along in their development by the time they are 19 years old, by the time they're going off and becoming freshman in high school, than guys that you'd say are on the offensive line, guys that are wide receivers, guys that are defensive linemen. A lot more development to be done on those guys. But to say there's no development to be done in your college quarterbacks, I mean, look at Will Howard. I think he's a great example of a guy that showed development through his college years. He was a guy that they brought in Adrian Martinez because they weren't sure what they had in Will Howard. They didn't think he was the guy after... Uh, a good amount of time as their starting quarterback. You bring in Adrian. Adrian plays well and he goes down with the injury and Will Howard comes back into that and you saw the development from the season before up until the point when he came in after Adrian and it might not be with the arm. It might not be the accuracy of their passes where you see a big jump, but you see that processing. You see their ability to read a defense. That's where a, a, a quarterback yeah. can really show that development through college. Hey, maybe they're not adding 20 yards to their deep ball. Maybe they're not showing more accuracy on the, the deep out routes, but where you really see it is that processing ability, that ability to not turn the football over, and that ability to run an offense. There is development to be done. Yeah. It might just not be in the same way that you see it on other positions where it's Physically, these guys are maturing and physically, these guys are showing difference. It kind of is that that processing power to mean what the the ability to to quarterback is, if you follow what I'm saying. Yep.
4: You get two examples last night, fellas, in the Pac-12 championship game. Guys that stuck around got developed in college after kind of being those phenoms to noticeable talents out of high school. And I know Penix is is an example because of his partnership with DeBoer, but also Bo Nix. I mean, he kind of got run out of Auburn. Also had some injury issues, but both those guys are uh, case in point, glaring examples of what Elijah's talking about. If you get the right development in college with your quarterback coach slash OC, that's what's next Uh, for Nebraska, right? That's the question mark. Can Nebraska get the development with what they've got now?
0: Well, I think there's two things here. I think there's being a quarterback, and that is all the mechanical stuff. And then there is how to play quarterback. And that's the next jump that Nebraska needs is who is there to teach these guys how to read, recognition, all of that kind of stuff. Because how to play quarterback is going to be the next step at Nebraska to get them where they want to go. Like when you when you have a play at the end of the game on Friday against Iowa, you see that linebacker or – You see somebody at the next level where Jalen Lloyd is streaking down the field that you burn the top off of things, and you're able to throw it there. I I think that's the – is Marcus Satterfield the right guy to teach guys how to play quarterback, of read, recognition, get the ball out quick, decision-making, get in and out of the huddle, all of those kind of things. That's the next step. Not, okay, now this is where your feet are supposed to be. This is your arm slot. I think it's just the simple part of playing quarterback, of recognition – going through your reads, being comfortable, trusting what you're doing, running the right play, all of that stuff. That's the question that needs to be asked. Is the right guy able to teach all of them and also balance together a game plan from week to week?
3: Gary, before I get you out, I know you're up against a hard break here. I want to get your thoughts on the weekend of sports, first conference championship weekend. What games you watched in. Do you have any upset picks for the day? And then tomorrow with Nebraska Creighton.
0: Uh, I, first of all, yesterday was the best big 10 championship game we've ever had. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> by the way, I can't, I can't believe what the guy in Indiana said. He's about to find out that there's reality in the big 10, but that's okay. He got people fired up. It's the off season. Um, I think we'll be okay today. I think Texas will roll to make a statement. Um, Florida state could be in trouble, which opens the door for a little bit of uh, chaos. How about we have this? How about Georgia beats Alabama? Hmm. Florida State gets beat, um, and and then you come down to kind of a, a maybe a Texas and a Ohio State, possibly. But hmm. I don't I don't expect a lot of chaos today. I hope the playoff will be a lot of fun. And then tomorrow, um, I like Nebraska by a late bucket tomorrow hmm. at PBA.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, awesome. Gary, appreciate you joining us today, man. Hey, I uh, promise
0: we'll go. Uh, we'll go later next week. We uh, there'll be seeing, there'll be things in the next week. We'll uh, definitely we'll have to talk about this. Will be a this will be a there'll be a couple of news items this week around Nebraska football.
3: Will Nebraska have a portal quarterback by next Saturday? Uh,
0: I don't. We might have a name, but I don't think officially. Okay. Hmm.
2: Hmm. There's your teaser. There's your teaser.
0: Uh, I know. I know you I pick, pick your guy. There's only 60 guys out there. There could be <laughs> options
2: for Nebraska. Gary, point. have a good trip. All right. All right. So he brought up something about Nebraska Creighton tomorrow. And it, man, it's really easy to be myopic. And truthfully, I have not watched a ton of Creighton this year. I know they're ranked in the top 10. I know they got rolled by Colorado State. I know they're not overly physical. I know they're not overly athletic. I know they dictate pace. I know they get the ball up the floor quickly. I know they got dudes that can hit the three for sure. I know they got a, a good defender down in the, down in the blocks in Kalkbrenner. Um, but when I see, there's a couple of reasons why I'm bullish on Nebraska. Been to a few games this year. The, the crowd tomorrow is going to be a serious factor. And I say that because against Duquesne, it was a straight-up hostile environment. Like, against Duquesne. I'm, I'm telling you, there is something within the fan base right now that is like, it is edgy. They're fired up. And now when Creighton rolls into town, it is going to be an absolute hornet's nest. That's guaranteed. As long as Nebraska doesn't crap the bed and, and Creighton takes them out of it, right? Second thing, Nebraska is that they they got just a bunch of old, big dudes. Old, big dudes that ain't worried about anything. They're... They're, they're not overwhelmed by the moment. They have legit experience. I mean, if you look at the injection of Josiah Alec, of Rink Mass. Rink Mass is one of the best players so far. Can he do it in the Big Ten? We'll see. So far, he's one of the best players Nebraska's had in the last decade. Straight up. That's how he looks now. You inject him. You inject Alec. You inject Boogie Coleman. You inject Bryce Williams. These are big, grown dudes in their early to late tw- to mid twenties. Uh, it's I don't know, man. I, I am uh, I am bullish on what that team can do. And then you mix it with a say, who's a generational type talent.
3: I don't know. I'm and and, I'm, and Mark one of, high add, on brass one of the things one of the things to add with those those older guys in the room, those elder statesmen, is the names you listed, they have that maturity about them. In that they okay. lock in first on the defensive side of the ball, oh. straight up, straight up, and Alec against God.
2: Who was the last team that they played? I'm trying to think of the name. It's a very forgetful, very forgettable opponent. The the last team they played. What it it was Cal- like... Cal State? No, no. Yeah, Fullerton. The Cal State Fullerton. Yep. Fullerton. There's like 18 seconds left in the game. Nebraska's right. up yes. by Kansas around 20. Josiah Alex diving on the floor for a ball. Yep, like that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the. Those are the dudes they have now. If he, he is, is diving on the floor for an instant diving, not just kind of falling, like, aggressively diving for a
3: ball. You're up 20 with 18 seconds left. That's it, the kind of dudes they have right now. And I hope I'm not setting the bar too high, but we've seen it in, in the NCAA tournament for years and especially recently in the Portal era of, of – the elder statesmen from, like, these, these group of five, like these Cinderella-type stories, the NCAA tournament, where what sets them apart and allows them to pull off an upset against your, your Power 5 schools is they have older players that know how to make winning plays. And it's those effort things. It's the defensive side of the ball. It's diving on the floor for loose balls. It's, it's these types of things that Nebraska has the guys, I think, that the elder statesmen know how to make those winning plays. And you add in the factor of a, a juiced-up Pinnacle Bank arena – makes you want to make those effort plays even more. They, they give you that little added fire to get on the floor, to make the defensive stop, to, to get across the paint and get a shot contest whenever you think it's going to be an easy layup. They know how to make those winning plays, and that's why I think the difference could be at Pinnacle Bank Arena tomorrow is that, you know what, these older guys, I know Creighton's got <laughs> offensive firepower out the wazoo this season, but I think Nebraska's got some older guys that are going to be able to lock in on the defensive side of the ball, and they understand what
4: winning plays are in the game of college basketball. They're hungry for success, all right, first and foremost. Two, to your point about time and space, it's, it's effort. They're blue collar. Mm. And, and you pair that blue collar with the hunger, with this natural talent, there's athleticism. There's depth. There's not a, a matchup that is just an absolute nightmare for Nebraska tomorrow. There's some matchups that may not go in their favor, but it's not going to be a a, a plus-minus 15 situation where Nebraska's going to get worked at one position. The buy-in's good. You've got an edge with Fred this year, which is great. And they've done a fabulous job of bringing guys in, getting guys to stay. And you have chemistry. And to Mark's point, you add that extra little uh, shot of anger, from a fan base? It is real. You, it your foot, is cause, very Because your football program's not been doing it. Yeah. You appreciate your volleyball program. You're waiting for the roof to blow off with this basketball program in a good way. Yep. Uh, and then you have um, you have the Nebraska basketball fan that is as passionate as there is in this world. And there's nothing like Nebraska's home court environment when they are bought in with the team. And are waiting for something big to happen, and then it happens. You got to go back to you No know, Sit Sunday uh, with Wisconsin. Oh. You got to go back to the knee era, where those big games, those big Mondays, down at the old Devaney Center. I mean, it was it was insane. It was electric, and you'll have that again tomorrow. I'll be back in time for it. I know Elijah, you're going to be there. Kraneck, are you rolling down to PBA tomorrow?
2: I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it or not. Um, still kind of looking at some ticket prices to, to make that determination and location, right? Uh, now, here's the other thing that I, you know, there's, there's like three things in late-game situations that, that you're kind of concerned about when you're watching a basketball team. It's loose balls, rebounds, free throws, right? Shot yeah. But loose balls, rebounds, free throws, those are things that down the stretch, those three things really matter. Nebraska right now, 74% free throws. Pretty good. It's like third mm-hmm. in the conference. Rebounds, they're in the they're in the well into the upper half in the Big Ten. I think they're like second or third in rebounding percentage. Um, and then loose balls. I, I just mentioned you got Alec that's going to do whatever for a ball. There are not a lot of turnovers in Nebraska's game, not only by Nebraska but by the opponent. So they're they're okay to kind of play the half court game and not play a ton of pressure and just try to constrict you defensively, make you milk the clock, make you settle for a, or, or force a bad shot. is going to be huge tomorrow. Well, and, that, and that's the thing that, that you don't know until you actually see it, is going <laughs> against a team like Creighton, because when they do get an outlet, they get it up there in a hurry. And then a dude's shooting a three, 2.2 seconds after you got a defensive rebound. Right. So can Nebraska deal with that? We shall see. It's very much a contrast in styles with those two.
4: Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranack, the uh, yeah, weekend journalist. Schmidt, have you uh, have you found your gate okay. for uh, for Indianapolis? Yes, I'm sitting at my gate. It was. It's been painless, man. It's been awesome. So this thing started yesterday and. Elijah was sitting next to me in studio and we were doing our picks and I got a text from Iowa Russ and he's like, dude, I wish I was going. And I'm like, well, let's look at this real quick. Flight was pretty decent Uh, price wise. I did the old credit card sign up just because I traveled a lot the last couple of years. Right. And I really have no rewards to show for it. So there's a there's there's a discount for this. Uh, got a hotel by the airport. Going to Uber down. I think we're going to bump into our old buddy Greg Henson, Michigan Greg. Uh, he's going to the championship game. Ru- Iowa Russ sprung for the seats. We're row two in the south end zone. Wow. Okay. Wow. And uh, then we fly out tomorrow morning at 630, land at 10 in Omaha, and then down at PBA by one. So – Look at that! Look at that! That is quite the sports Mark, weekend. Do you,
3: do you have any good last-minute trip stories? You're taking any last-minute trips like this?
2: <sighs> there haven't been a ton of last-minute one. Uh, well, last-minute. Elijah, ish. You're, you're the you're the king of the last-minute trip, Elijah. Yeah, I love a good last-minute trip. But Mark, do you have any though? First, well, last-minute-ish. My old at my old job, I had to uh, we had to fly overseas. I didn't have a passport yet. I had never left the continent. Right? I'd been to Canada. <laughs> Never left. The, it's like, Hey, we're going to Singapore and we're going to India. I'm like, Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. And I had, so I had to get a passport. I didn't actually physically get my passport until like the day I was flying out. And the way I got my passport is the my, one of my coworkers had to go pick it up in San Francisco and I was connecting in San Francisco. Oh, she wow. Gave it to me. So that was dicey. That was dicey. Uh, and before going to India, they give you, like, a little travel warning, you know, of, like, hey, here's some things to look out for. Here's some, uh, here are some, you know, uh, what do you call them, uh, vaccines that you may want to consider getting. Here's some of the threats. And one of the threats was, well, in that area, here, here are the things. There's typhoid, there's this, there's that. And then there's rabies from tigers. Like, literally, it said rabies from, from tigers. I'm like, who the hell is surviving any tiger attack, let alone a rabid one? So, anyways, that's. I don't know if that's travel... <laughs> related last minute necessarily but that's what
3: came to mind See, and, and my, my best one was this was a, a, a COVID trip for sure so it was like it was May would have been Memorial Day of 2020 whenever everything's kind of shut down and there's weirdness and uh, we were all sitting around it was a Friday night and we're sitting around my buddy Grant's pool just drinking beers we're like let's stop us from just going to Colorado and camping tomorrow And everyone was like, nothing, really. So, yeah, we woke up the next morning and drove to Colorado. No plans, no nothing. We slept in a tent, BLM land out in uh, Colorado. That was, like, one of the best trips of my lifetime. The fact that we were just, like, on a Friday night, like, what's stopping us from just going to Colorado tomorrow? And we did it. So, highly recommended. If you ever have the opportunity to just make a last-minute trip, some of the best memories are made that way. One of my trips down to Mississippi was pretty last-minute. That was a fun one, spending 12 hours in a car. You definitely don't feel regret on that trip, whenever you're like, man, I could be sitting on my couch right now instead of driving for 12 hours, but you get used to it. And I guess 20, it's my Sparty trip just a couple weeks ago was kind of last-minute, where we planned on it, but then I had no plans, and I slept on your floor, and it worked out. 2010 Big Ten champion or
2: Big 12 <laughs> this, this, championship this sounds right so
4: bad. Why? You slept on your floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty comfortable. Yeah.
2: No, 2010, 2010 Big 12 Championship, that was the last second. That was a drive down to Dallas, and that was – Get soul crushed again. Drive back from Dallas. Dallas is just far enough away. Once you pass, to me, me, the absolute limit of comfortable drives, or not not even comfortable, but reasonable drives, St. Louis and, like, Minneapolis, okay, you start getting beyond that, it starts getting a little, I don't know.
3: Once you reach double digit on the hours, I can do nine hours. I can do nine hours and 45 minutes. Once you hit 10 hours, that's the point where you go, uh,
4: why am I in this car? Why didn't and I fly?
2: Chris, I was doing these calculations in my head because when do you land in Indy?
4: Uh, it says 1.35, so 12.35 our time. 12.35 our
2: time as in central. Yes. Because uh, you're saying this from Mountain and we're talking about Eastern. I just wanted to make sure. So 12.35. Yeah. And you started this journey journey,
4: 4 a.m. this morning? Around there? Oh, it was up at was up at three thirty. Yeah, up picked up Russ. So, yeah, but I mean, it's it's not that different time wise from the normal Monday through Friday wake up right. wise. But,
2: but so you've hit is I mean it's like an eight and a half. Hour, it's going to be essentially an eight and a half hour ordeal to get you from door to door.
4: Five forty five is is the air quote, but but yeah, I
2: mean it's. So you could have drove.
4: You I don't know, drove but about the same. But you guys are you on point. Not you're. You you're on point with the the travel and, and driving part of things. Um, yeah. First and foremost, the longest drive in America is to get to the Black Hills and then make it back from the Black Hills. We did that for summer baseball. Never again. Colorado seems to fly. Uh, it's okay. But I, if, if the, the price is right, I'd fly in. Uh, and then the other road trip that was, pretty excruciating just from a time standpoint was the last was the last time the big 10 had their media days in chicago second to last time i think it was year one o'reilly so we drove my papa al and carson came with me and we drove and that was when there was a stretch of interstate 80 that was just one lane construction i could not find a firearm to put in my mouth so um Okay. So the point is, is yeah, this may be about five and a half, six hours. It's yeah. okay. I'm not driving.
2: <laughs> I think we need to put a trigger warning on our next podcast posting. I don't know. What do you
4: think? <laughs> oh, I should sweep that under the rug. Uh, okay. <laughs> was that was that off? I'm sorry. No, it's it's okay. Yeah, what, what a light topic
2: for for nine oh seven a.m. Chris, it's great, <laughs> but it makes sense though. You're delirious. You have an edible in you. You're you're. You know, I'm just, I have not. I cannot...
3: They do they have dispensaries in the airport? Is that legal?
2: No, no, no. Because it's all federally kind of regulated right so there's no
3: here yeah topic of the day once this new south stadium is constructed at memorial stadium will it be legal in nebraska and will there be a dispensary in south stadium for trying to watch a marcus hatterfield offense
4: dude we're pushing for beer okay we're pushing for yeah. beer we'll settle yeah, for beer out. And, and maybe a <laughs> shot of whiskey uh as far as edibles and gambling just don't hold your breath
3: yeah dude, he doesn't help me lock in my college football saturday parlay Check it under the sports book and bet Alabama money line.
4: Just go put it, put it, put, put a G on Iowa money line. No,
3: no, no! That's the worst monetary advice I've ever heard in my life. But it, but if it hits, <laughs> that's what they all say. That's what all those those gambling addicts say.
4: But if it hits, yeah.
3: sir, that is a sixteen-team parlay. In what world is that ever gonna hit?
4: <laughs> <laughs> An Adam Sandler movie, <laughs> uncut gems. Kevin yes,
3: Kevin Garnett to win the opening tip Kevin Garnett over three and a half personal fouls Kevin Garnett under two and a half assists
2: See Yeah, you reminded me To have to make some picks this week So that's good uh, It's going to be an interesting one I, I'm Is Georgia
4: The least ballyhooed number one yeah. In years They're not flashy And there's Georgia fatigue
2: I think that's it, right? I just feel – I don't feel like they get – I don't think they get disrespected. But I'm not sure they get respected. I, I kind of feel like, yeah, people are just sick of them. They don't talk about them much. And I – for in the for what it's worth, call I've seen pretty significant improvement in Bama.
4: I think so. Too. I think that's – I think that's, that's a winnable game for, for Bama. I was way off yeah. on Washington, how great they looked last night. You think they uh, look great compared to what they've been playing? Yeah, even defensively.
2: Uh, when when Oregon the, when Oregon did had that go ahead touchdown run, probably from about the 15 yard line, the level of disinterest they showed defensively in trying to tackle that guy was, I was like, whoa. No, Dylan, <laughs> they're Dylan's
4: in Florida for the Big Ten. Yeah, Dylan's for real, and Washington's a, as balanced as an offense where they can kill you running it and they can kill you tossing it. Great NFL whiteouts and pennics, of course. So, no, I thought Oregon's comeback was great, but it was just too much to to hang on and keep the Washington response at bay. So, no, I thought, dude, the line was 10, nine and a half, 10. Oregon was supposed to stop them Fair. and didn't, didn't happen. So I thought that's pretty impressive for Washington. I kind of hope Florida State gets ousted just because they're not, what they were—it's not their fault—but give well, me a Texas, quarter, give me a Texas or an Ohio State option. The the quarterback for Florida State that's going tonight is super
2: un—he uh, he has very little experience, right? Because they're da- they're down to their third quarterback, is that right? They are, yeah. And so this is a this is a cat that's you know he's a he was a decent recruit, but it could be one of those things where you know so you, you'll find out basically if he's a gamer or not. Right? Well, is I, mean, he yeah, his
3: ta- I mean, that Florida State team is very good. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like your job tonight against Louisville is find Keon Coleman and don't turn it over.
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your job, sir. <laughs> Son,
2: yeah, don't to win. True freshman that's going tonight. What, what, talk about making a debut. <laughs> you make your debut in the ACC title game as a true freshman with an undefeated season on your back. Right. That's uh, if that kid handles that storybook, I think uh, you got to feel pretty good about about what's happening at, at Florida State at that point.
3: Well, if he handles it tonight, you feel good about him. It's storybook, but you also still feel really, really bad about Florida State being in the college football playoff. That would disappoint me greatly. The early line, this from the Action Network. Has Georgia as an 11 and a half point favorite over Florida State in a college football playoff semifinal. I find that number to be low.
4: Very low. Well. That's a 17 point ball game at best.
3: It also has Michigan as a five so, and a half point favorite against Washington in the Rose Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal. Could happen. Mm.
2: So Glenn, like Glenn, Glenn for Florida State, two of four for 35 yards this year. So that's how much experience he has. Uh, that running game, super
4: interesting running, game yeah. running
2: yeah. game. yeah. 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 Um, hmm. Hey, real quick too, Trent Bray being named Oregon state head coach. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, how many assistants have come through Nebraska that had now have head jobs elsewhere, right? You got Jay Norvell, you got Tim Beck. Now you have, uh, now you have Trent Bray. I'm sure there's others that I'm not even thinking of. But the And those are all kind of from different staffs, too. But the level of coaching talent that has come through Nebraska, pretty interesting, right? And those were all guys, save for Trent Bray, that I think got a, a fair amount of criticism. <laughs> I know Jay Norvell did. I know Tim Beck did. Uh, but both those guys are leading programs now, and now Trent Bray is, too.
3: And who gets the opportunity but, next? Does Bob Diaco get the head coaching gig next? There's been his name rumored with uh,
4: USC dude that'd be a nightmare be an absolute nightmare seeing the
3: look on your guys' face whenever i just said bob diaco that was like straight up a visceral reaction to hearing his name
4: (laughs) he's he's respected though because he's landed at really good jobs he's still respected for the job he did with the notre dame squad when they played for the title but he just he just doesn't stick right. he's, he's a one and done or he's an analyst but no oregon state's uh, players love bray they would have freaked out if he i like the job i did too i sat down uh, here with bray him. carried good, himself good he, dude yeah he, he
2: he yeah he acquitted himself like a head coach like you could it wasn't it's not a leap to think that he would be running a program no it's a big get yeah. by michigan state
4: getting yeah. smith Fellas, we'll uh, check in from uh, downtown Indy and uh, see how things shake out tonight. If it's a crazy upset or Iowa gets hammered by 100, either way, it's a good day of football.
3: Uh, Should I take Michigan minus 23, Schmitty?
4: I would take the points. With Michigan? Iowa. What what do you got? What's the the,
3: set the line again here? 23. 23 points. The way I see it, if Michigan can score four touchdowns, one a quarter, Iowa's offense is not going to get a touchdown.
4: They may get shut out. They may score three. Is Michigan going to be perfect, or does Iowa dirty a turnover or two and at least get into field goal range? Do they smack McCarthy around? Do they stop Michigan's run game? How's Michigan health-wise, how's Iowa health-wise after two physical games last weekend? Hmm.
2: I think I was going to have a few tricks up their sleeve.
4: It, it is very
2: much a nothing to lose kind of everything to gain game for, for them compared to me. I'm just saying mentally everybody's counting Iowa out and that's usually a pretty good motivator. Uh, and that's also usually a pretty good way for a, the favored team to maybe have their foot off the gas a little bit. So those, those kind of intangibles, this specific matchup, this specific time I would lean Iowa a little bit, too. Not, not to win the thing, because they can't
4: score f- points at all. But, you know, help lock it down a little bit. Well, and the Harbaugh factor is very real. I mean, is, is he on search and destroy mission, mission tonight? Probably. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the rub, Elijah, with the, the point total. I mean, um, is, is Iowa any better with less talent available than what they showed versus Penn State, and they got rocked thirty-one nothing against a comparable playoff team in Penn State that was in the discussion earlier this season. Yeah. So, uh, I but Iowa will play good ball. I mean, they're just too short-handed without the quarterback, uh, their tight ends, and uh, Cooper. So yeah. they're they're a mess. But their de- their their defense will play well enough to keep them in it. I don't think Iowa. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think Michigan just. Out of the gate rolls, and maybe one of those slow deaths. All on that, Michigan. That, that's yeah. That, that's
3: how I'm foreseeing this. Is Michigan? Maybe it's a 14 to three game at halftime, and then Michigan pulls away and wins at 35 to three,
4: 28 to three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, yeah. right there. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hmm, hmm. We'll see though. We'll see though. Well, and it, it and it, it'll officially put an end to the Big Ten East and West. The divisions go away. And And the Big Ten West will most likely leave that era not having won a single Big Ten
4: championship game, which is totally ridiculous when you think about it. Well, Wisconsin had a shot against Penn State about six years ago and blew that lead. Fellas, we'll, uh, we'll tip a, a, a yingling to you a little bit later. All right. All right. All right. Enjoy Nebraska right. Creighton tomorrow, fellas. I will see you
3: down there, Schmidt, most likely. Let's hope Nebraska's yeah. got a transfer portal quarterback to discuss next week. It's just a kind of a slow Saturday in terms of Husker news. We're a week on from Nebraska, Iowa. You got the Tony White news, but other than that, it's just, it feels like you're waiting for the next shoe to drop with this Husker offseason news. It's your transitional
2: right. week. It's your transition yeah. week, right? Season's mm-hmm. over. Volleyballs, you know, got playing Missouri. They're gonna smoke them in three sets
4: today, and then, yeah, back at it, huh? Back
1: at it
2: next right. weekend.
4: Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe, Hail Varsity, and uh, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Mark Cranach, the uh, weekend journalist. Chris Schmidt, uh, at Schmidt underscore Radio. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. Guys, thanks for the uh, the pickup and the help early and. Uh, Good stuff from Brandon Vogel, Gary Sharp. We'll do it again next Saturday. Have a good one.
2: Have fun with the Dirty Hippies.